All right. Well, welcome. You want to turn me down a little bit? I sound super loud over here to myself. You guys really loud. Keep going. Keep going. There we go. Is that okay? Better? Okay. Excellent. Everyone got your booklets. Thank you, Mark, for the binders. Okay, we are beginning in Romans 1 today. Let me open us up with a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for your sovereign grace. We thank you for your mercy, for your love, and for your care. Uh, please open our eyes and our hearts this morning. Please help us use each other to learn as we open up the book of Romans and read Paul's words to the church in Rome here. Um, we thank you for bringing us together. We thank you for this body in Christ. May we honor you and please you with the thoughts in our hearts and the words in our mouth this morning, Lord. You are our rock and our redeemer. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, let's get started right away here. Um, hopefully you all had a chance to read at least the first seven verses. They're not too long, so um, we'll, we'll get started in here. As the book of Romans is, as Mark stated last week, um, Paul was writing to the church in Rome, a church he had not yet been to, a church that he did not start up. And it was to uh, Gentiles in Rome that he was writing this book to. As you read through chapter 1, um, you will see, especially starting in verses 16 through the end of the chapter, um, there's, there's a lot going on there. There's some very strong words. There's some very um, important things that are going on. I, I like to describe it as fireworks, that Romans is is like the fireworks show going off, and it starts right away in chapter 1. As I started to prepare for the first seven verses, um, we're looking into it, and as I first read over it, it was kind of an introduction, kind of a longer introduction, um, but I didn't, I didn't see as much there when I got started as I did once I dove into it and did the study. So I want to share with you what I found, um, which I'm now going to describe as fireworks too. It was, it was very exciting. And um, there, was, there was more there than I realized at first glance. So can I have someone pick up and just read the first seven verses for us real quick in Romans? Anyone got that ready to read? One through seven. Chapter one, one through seven. Renee's got it. Thank you, Renee. Okay, um, so this is what we call a prescript. Mark kind of went over it last week, but um, back in those times, people would uh, start the letter off introducing themselves and who they are versus how we do it now, saying, um, Dear Jen, if I'm writing to my wife, and then at the end, signing my name. Um, there, there's a difference here. Paul, again, not knowing this church personally, not having been there, um, he spent the time to expound on who he is and, and where he's coming from background-wise. So the first seven verses are what they call a prescript, and he is, is literally introducing himself by identifying himself um, to his audience in a humble way, 
Uh, he's doing it in a loving manner. Uh, he's doing it to glorify God and with every respect of fear and awe to his Lord. Um, and, and why did he spend the first seven verses doing this? Because he is addressing the church that he hasn't, he hasn't been to yet. So it's the longest one that we'll find in Scripture. Um, the, there's others, but they're shorter, and they're not as detailed. So let's dive right into some important words. I know we talked about some of this last week. Um, bond servant is, is the first one that pops out. We talked through that a little bit. Does anyone recall uh, some other words or terms we use for that? Slave, yeah, that's right. Um, it, it could and it should read slave. It is a Greek word uh, that was, it, it's pronounced doulos. And there's a couple different meanings found in scripture of that word. Um, Mike, would you mind pulling up Exodus 21 and get to verse 5 and 6? And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read some of this first while you get there. Oh, okay. Go ahead and read that out loud for us. Exodus 21, verses 5 and 6. If you want to write that down as your reference, go for it. But this is one of the meanings. Okay. So we talked about that last week a little bit. And um, this is, in a way, what Paul is referring to himself as. Someone who is saying, I, I give myself fully to my master. Let me be yours for the rest of my life. And the master will permanently mark him. And, and that, that is a way that Paul's explaining who he is to Jesus Christ. Um, another meeting, and I don't think it's either or. I think it's both and. Um, was a person who had been purchased. And once purchased, he became the master's possession uh, and, and was only released through death. So those are, those are two different um, ways that that word can be read, and I, I do believe it would be both in this instance. Um, Jesus purchased Paul and his church with his blood, rendering him us all his slaves. Um, we, are, we are here to serve him and not to serve sin anymore. And that's what Paul's pointing out. Uh, Jesus set us free from slavery of the flesh um, and, and calls us to a royal liberty of, of slavery to him. And the word slavery, again, is, is something that we see as offensive and, and wrong here, but that's our culture, and that's because we live in America, and the, the past and the history that we've had is different than it was when Paul was writing this. In the terms he used, it was an, an endearing thing. Um, but we are not our own. We are not independent and uh, autonomous, right? We are here to serve our Lord. We're here to obey him um, and to follow him. And if we, we go do our own thing and we're off doing our own all, all the time, then we're serving ourselves. We are serving ourselves as our own God. Um, so Paul's making that distinction here in this one word. There's a lot to it, and um, that that talk can go on for a long time. Um but the main point of that is unless people realize that their relationship to Christ must be in these terms, um, they, they remain unconverted. And we need to see that in Scripture. We need to read that in Scripture. We should study that more in Scripture. Paul's pointing that out from the very beginning. Paul, a bondservant. Paul, a slave. And, and he's using that term to say, this is where I identify, um, to put himself in the humblest aspect that he can to these people in this church. Luke 9.23, another verse. Uh, you can just write that down and reference that if you want to look that up later on to why that, that would be important to 
this term as well. Okay, apostle. This Greek word um, means, Joe, where you at? This is part of our, our lesson today because um, you asked last week what, where apostle come from. It really means one who is sent. Um, that's the, the Greek meaning of it. It appears 79 times in the New Testament. Uh, in its broadest sense, um, very, very broad, just oversweeping sense, um, it can mean all believers because every believer is sent into the world to be a witness for Christ. Um, but in saying that, I, I'm not saying we need to call ourselves apostles. I'm saying um, the sense of that term can be used for, for believers. But the term is primarily used in Scripture, in the Bible, uh, in a specific and unique way for the, the 13 men that were appointed to being uh, apostles. Um, these men were given direct revelation um, of God's word to proclaim authoritatively. And they were given the gifts of healing and the power to cast out demons. And another reference for that, Matthew 10, 1, um, talks about the, that authority that was given to these men. Uh, by these signs, though, the reason they were given these signs and their teaching, their teaching was um, verified. The authority of it was verified through these signs. Uh, this became the foundation of the church and their uh, authority extended beyond the local body of believers to the universal body of believers. Um, Acts 1. Oh, sorry, I'm jumping ahead here. We can see that. We can see that in Luke 9. There are three criteria to being an apostle, to having that title. We talked about that a little bit last week as well. And you can read through those again. We already did in Wednesday night if you've uh, come to that or if you've listened online. But in Acts 1, 20 through 26 are the, the three criteria. The first one is being a disciple of Jesus uh, during his earthly ministry. That was required to, to be there for that. The second is having been an eyewitness, an eyewitness to the resurrection. And then the third was having been immediately called by Jesus himself. So again, we went over that a little bit last week. You can find more of that in Acts 1, 20 through 26. But what about Paul? Paul's saying he's an apostle. And we, we mentioned this before, but what criteria does he meet? Yep, he was called by Jesus. What about the other two? Did he meet those criteria? He wasn't there for the whole ministry. And he didn't see the resurrection. So he missed two. But um, being the most important, and um, as we go on through the rest of this verse, uh, through these verses, we'll, we'll get to more, but um, he, he has been given that position and that authority uh, for a specific purpose, and the most important being called by Jesus himself. We can look through Acts and see, where did I write it down? Acts 9, 15, um, and tw Acts 22, 14, and 15, and Acts 26, 16 through 18, are three different specific times that Paul talk, that they talk about uh, Paul being called by Jesus by giving direct instruction from the Lord Himself on what to do and and how to do it. 
So those are three references. Uh, those are three times that Paul was, uh, that, that spoke about in Acts of Paul being called to ministry as an apostle for this purpose. So again, Acts 9, 15, Acts 22, 14, 15, and Acts 26, 16, and 18. So those would do you well to also look those up later, uh, study some of that so you can see where that's coming from. Apostle also means sent with a specific purpose. Uh, I read that sometimes in those days the ships were uh, called apostolic ships because they were they would depart with a specific destination and a specific purpose. The ships were referred to with that term as well. And uh, that's also what the, the term and the use of this term is, is meaning for our apostles. Ultimately, all the apostolic writings carry the delegated authority of Jesus himself, right? So... That is what is meant to be an apostle. God is the author and owner of it. And they are the ones that are, are speaking it, are sharing that to the church. They are the foundation of the beginning of the church. And apostles are a very, very big part of that. Um, I don't know. I'll have to get back to you on that one. Yeah, good question. Oh, if uh, Paul's vision was linked to being an apostle. Okay, on to the next keyword, uh, separated. Separated, Paul says he is separated or set apart, right? Uh, Paul is simply the messenger of God's word. He's called to proclaim to people a message that comes from God himself. Uh, but Paul is, is saying he's, he's on a specific mission. Um, and as we know, he's been separated to uh, speak to the Gentiles, to teach the Gentiles and to lead that church. Set apart for the gospel of God. We're still in verse 1, so we're getting through the verse 1. There's a lot to it. There's uh, very important keywords there. Um, and, it, and that dives right into verse 2, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. So the gospel, the good news, uh, is promised through the prophets in Holy Scripture. A lot of times we, as Christians today, will mistakenly separate the Old and the New Testament saying it's the law versus the gospel. Um, but Paul says that in the beginning that the gospel was not novelty. It's the same gospel that's promised numerous times in the past. Does anyone know where the first reference to something like the gospel or, or the gospel itself is mentioned in Scripture? Yep. In Genesis, yep, Genesis 3, yep, 14 through 19. Um, that was part of the curse that was given to Adam and Eve, but it was also uh, a blessing within the curse that God proclaimed to them. And um, 
that is where the gospel was first mentioned. So at the very, very beginning of time. Yes, Joe? Genesis 3, 14 through 19. Does someone want to grab that and pick that up for us? That would be, that'd be good for us to read real quick. So it's brief, but if you caught the part about um, the serpent biting the heel and the man stepping on his head, uh, that is in reference to the Messiah. That is in reference to Jesus coming back and conquering death and resurrecting from the dead. Paul knew this. Paul was an expert in the Old Testament. He was a Pharisee. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees, a Hebrew of Hebrews. He, he knew his scripture extremely well. He knew um, references uh, that, that we would do well to know too, but he would be one that taught others all the time. Uh, and Paul was very aware that there was um, the gospel, and it was not novelty, that it was something that had been proclaimed throughout the um, scriptures, the holy scriptures as he would call it, for long, long time before this happened with Jesus. Um, and Jesus was the fulfillment of it. Uh, our Lord himself walked with some of his disciples uh, during his resurrection on the road to Emmaus. Uh, and he told them, as he was explaining to them about what the Holy Scriptures taught about the gospel, beginning at Moses and all the prophets. And we can find that in Luke 24. He opened up the Scriptures to them. He opened up their eyes and their ears to the scripture in the Old Testament, showing them that they should not have been surprised by his, by his resurrection. Um, and we would all, we all say we would love to be there to hear that Bible study. Um, I, I did a Sunday school lesson on it last year on that road to Emmaus, and we were thinking it was about a two and a half hour walk, maybe three hour walk that they did. And again, they didn't know they were walking with Jesus, um, but he, he was able to use that time to explain to them, starting in Moses, throughout all the scriptures, what the prophet said and what they prophesied about in regards to him and the resurrection. Um, that'd, be, that'd be awesome to, to hear our Lord explain all that, to teach that, and yeah, know exactly what he said and where we can find it, because surely there's lots that we miss that he would be able to, to point out. Um, Hebrews 1 someone can flip to Hebrews 1 and just read verses 1 and 2 for us real quick please and if someone can pick up 1 Peter 1 you got Hebrews? excellent, thank you Mike and here in Hebrews, the author is pointing out um, how God has, has spoken to his people through time, through the scriptures, and how he's uh, doing it at that point then when um, Jesus had been resurrected. And then First Peter 1, verses 10, 11, and 12. Someone have that for us? Thank you. Thank you. Again, just a proclamation of what was said in the past and has been fulfilled now 
through the life of Jesus and the resurrection. All right, we're going to keep moving on here. Um, His son, a descendant of David. We see this in verse 3 concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David, according to the flesh. Um, Interesting verse, right? It do us well to look into that one a little bit. There's a great mystery in the concept of Jesus as God's son. Uh, Although he himself is God, our Lord, he is yet the son of God, right? Uh, but Scripture plainly teaches both truths. In Philippians 2, 5 through 8, uh, we, we see that God came down in the form of man, emptied himself for us, right? John 17, uh, that's the prayer that Jesus prayed to the Father, uh, and he's asking to be glorified once again as he was uh, before he came to earth with the Father. Uh, also, John chapter 1, 2 through 3, verses 14, we see that uh, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. The Word was with God. All things were created through the Word. The Word became flesh. So again, it talks about um, Jesus being God, being with God. Uh, But we see see here the verse stating that he was born a descendant of David according to the flesh. So in his humanness, Jesus was born a descendant of David. Uh, Both Mary, Jesus' mother, and Joseph, Jesus' legal father, were descendants of David. So that is what Paul's speaking of here. We can find uh, evidence for that in Luke 3, verses 23, also verse 31. Matthew 1, 6. So if you're writing these down, Luke 3, 23, 31, Matthew 1, 6, and 16. Oh, also in Luke 1, 27, those are references to their lineage. Um, Mary was uh, a descendant of David. Um, she birthed Jesus. We all know that. Joseph, his legal father, right, as a, a son, as a firstborn, that that man, that son, is given uh, more privileges than the rest of the, the children that are born after that, right? We, we've learned that through Scripture as well. Uh, so Joseph is his legal father. Joseph was also a direct descendant of David himself. Um, the issue isn't whether he is God's son, but in what sense that he is God's son. Um, so that, that's important for us to figure out. And, it was in order to fill the prophecies that were sent in the scriptures before. The Messiah had to be a descendant of David. Um, we know that. They knew that. The Jews knew that. If they knew anything about their their history and who the Messiah was going to be, they knew that he had to be a descendant of David. David was uh, promised that the uh, throne would be taken up once again uh, through his lineage. And that can be found, if you want to write these down, Second uh, Samuel, I found these ones real interesting. We're not going to read through them this morning because uh, these are just a couple. There's a lot. These are just a couple, but it'd do you really well to go see them yourself and read through it because uh, they're really great. Second Samuel, chapter 7, you got 12 through 13 there. There's Psalm 89. 
verses 3 and 4. Psalm 19. Isaiah. Chapter 11, verse 1 through 5. Isaiah 11, 1 through 5, and then Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6. Again, if you're going to take the time to go look those up, uh, it, it's great. It's good to see um, what was in the Old Testament, what was said, how that relates to our Lord and our Savior now. There's a lot more. There's If you have a reference Bible where it shows you what verses relate to the verse you're reading, um, you could go to these verses and find more verses, and it, it's, a, it's fun. It's a deep dive. You can, yes, sir. <laughs> Jeremiah uh, 23, 5 and 6. Okay. The second person of the Trinity was born into a human family and shared human life with all other humanity, identifying himself with fallen mankind, right? Yet living without sin. He was the perfect man on earth. Uh, he thereby became the perfect high priest, holy God, yet also holy man, uh, in order that he could sympathize with our weakness as one who has been tempted by all things, as we are, but yet without sin. That's Hebrews 4.15. Um, quoting, quoting scripture there on who Jesus was and what he came to do. He identified with fallen man. He lived the absolutely perfect life. This is the gospel. This is the gospel right here. This is the exciting news. God came down, became human, became one of us, was tempted with every sin that you've had in your life, and yet he lived without sin. He was perfect. Um, he, he did not fall for it like you and I helplessly do every day. And it's really exciting to know that the sacrifice made on our behalf is from God himself. He did this on our behalf. He did this to be that perfect sacrifice so that we can obtain his righteousness, right? Um, again, really exciting to find the gospel right here so early in Romans. And uh, it's just, it's something that we can never not be excited enough about it. It's, it's what we're here to share. It's what we're here to share with others, um, to talk to everyone that we know, that we meet, our family, our friends, um, someone at Walmart. It's, it's what we're commissioned to do, right, Joseph? You know you go out and do that a lot. You try to, you like to get out and uh, do street preaching. I know Travis, I don't see him here this morning, but uh, he he sent me a, a message yesterday. Some of you are on Mar Marco Polo, that video app that you can send videos back and forth, but he saw some um, missionaries on the streets in Spanish Fork, and uh, they had signs up, and there's the sign said, I think, like, pray to God or something like that. It's pretty generic, but he made a point. He parked, he stopped, he rolled over there, and he started talking to him. He's like, hey, who are you praying to? And, you know, got him in some conversations. He's videoing this whole thing on Marco Polo for me so I can watch. <laughs> and so yeah, it was kind of entertaining. And they talked to him for four or five minutes. 
there are some some young girls there, and uh, the typical responses that you've probably gotten if you're asking questions from any of your friends. Uh, and then uh, an older gentleman walked over and knew him. Oh, you're Travis, right? And yeah, oh, hey, and they got to talking for a little bit. Uh, the video cut off after that, but he, he got with me later and said they they pretty much uh, told all the missionaries, don't talk to him anymore. So <laughs> he tried. He was being he was being loving. He wasn't being uh, condescending, um, but he also wasn't confirming what they were doing. Um, he was sharing the gospel, and he did. He did that right there on, on the, the phone, the video with me. So uh, I was praying for him as he was doing it. And he's, he's being faithful, right? And he's finding ways and finding people. He's looking for those opportunities. And uh, I think it's, it's great. He's very moved by the gospel. He's moved by the good news. Can we have someone pick up First John chapter 4, 2 and 3? Maybe I'll get it. I'll get it. I'll get that one. 1 John chapter 4, 2 and 3. So this is a good memory verse, and I would say especially here in our culture in Utah. By this you know the Spirit, capital S, the Spirit of God. Every spirit, lower S, lowercase s, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist of which you have heard that it is coming and now is already in the world. That made me think of Travis um, yesterday. Um, that makes me think of anyone who says Jesus isn't God in the flesh. That Jesus didn't come down um, from heaven and live the perfect life and die. That's denying the gospel. It's denying that Jesus has the authority that he has. So that verse uh, just caught my eye and spelled it out when, when anyone says that Jesus isn't. Who we know it says he is in the Bible, um, it's from the Antichrist. It's from the opposite of Jesus. All right, we're going to move back into Romans on to verse 4. Declared. Declared popped out. That was an important word. Uh, who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead according to the Spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. There's a lot in that verse. Okay. Declared. Defining that term. Uh, what I looked up, it meant determined. It meant predetermined. It meant appointed. It meant designated. Uh, so an alternate reading was who was predetermined, the Son of God, with, you could say, with strength by the resurrection from the dead. Uh, so important word there in figuring out what declared mean. Uh, if we look at it as determined, appointed, designated, predetermined, um, that's, those are synonyms to that word, and that's what Paul is pointing out here, that it was a plan ahead of time that God had planned this, that Jesus was always going to do this. So that's important to know. Uh, the reality of that oneness with God and the perfection of his service to God was publicly declared to the world by the fact that God raised him from the dead. So this is a public declaration, not that he wasn't already the son of God, right? He, he was, we knew that. Um, he, was, he was called the son of God. 
um, from early on. But this is the declaration, his resurrection from his dead, the power over death that he had. Uh, Paul goes on to explain the more uh, conclusive, with more conclusive and irrefutable evidence of Jesus' divine sonship was given to him with the power by the resurrection from the dead. So we can cross-reference Acts 13, 29 through 33. That'd be a good verse for you to look up as well. Um, so according to the spirit of holiness, that is another way of saying according to the nature and the work of the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit working in Christ who accomplished Jesus' resurrection and every other miracle that he performed. It was performed by him. In the incarnation, Jesus was conceived in the power of the Holy Spirit. You see that in Luke 1.35. That's always been an interesting verse that um, I like to read and I like to point out uh, to, to friends at work and stuff like that. Um, and it says, He shall be called the Son of God because he was... Um, born as a man, as a human. Um, the descent of the Holy Spirit upon him at his baptism, um, that was Jesus' real initiation into ministry. As you read through that, we see that Matthew, a ministry that was totally controlled by the Holy Spirit, uh, so much so that Jesus characterized the willful rejection of him, the Holy Spirit, him, uh, as blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, we, we know that he said that he submits to the Father, he submits to his will, that um, he, he gives up all to do what the Father wants him to do, and it's all through the Holy Spirit. And in Matthew 12, um, it, it actually reads, you know, those who say stuff about Jesus won't, be as bad off as those who deny the Holy Spirit and his power. And so it's given the authority uh, and the power that, that God himself has in those verses. All right. How are we doing on time? About 20 minutes. Okay. Any questions up through that so far? We just got through verse 4. Okay, on to verse 5. Through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his name's sake. We received grace from Jesus Christ. When God looked down on sinful man, fallen mankind, and graciously condescended to earth to offer his son for man, for man's redemption. That's John 3, 16 and 17, right? Good verses. A lot of us know those by heart. But Paul, Paul received a specific call of apostleship to the Gentiles. In his letter and introduction, are stating the call to that purpose. So again, his apostleship was brought through by grace. It was a gift. And the reason was, as the verse continues on, um, so 
we'll see that God decides to use the means of men to spread the gospel, right? That's what our lives are supposed to be about. That's what we're supposed to do. Um, specifically, the apostles had this call. They were the sent ones. The good news, they're supposed to uh, spread the good news to all the nations. And Paul had the privilege of sharing it with the Gentiles. And why? To bring about the obedience of faith among the Gentiles. Why? For his name's sake, for his glory, to bring glory to God, right? Glory, this glory is God decides to use it how he decides to use it. The people that he decides to use and the people that he chooses to bring in and uh, to glorify him are so different. They're so vast. A lot of, a lot of time it's, it's people we wouldn't expect. A lot of time it's people that we would have given up on ourselves if it was under our control. Um, people that you would never anticipate would believe the gospel and bow the knee to Jesus um, all the time. We see it today. Paul, Paul saw it back then. Um, Paul knew it was going to the Gentiles. He does state later on it's always to the Jew first and then to the Gentile because um, those are God's covenant people. But there's reason for that. And we'll get into that later. Uh, but it's to glorify his name. I mean, he's pulled each and every one of us into his family, into his church, into his grace and his mercy to glorify him. And it's, it's according to his will. It's not ours. It's not our choice. We don't get to pick and choose. Um, we are supposed to have the obedience uh, and, and the faith that just allows us to walk in his way. This book, his Bible, allows us to know who he is and what he asks of us. Um, but that's, that's the reason Paul's given that commission. And uh, we are so grateful and thankful to have his letters, to have what he's written um, to these other churches, because it really, really pertains to us. Uh, here in America, um, most of us here, are, especially in this church, are not Jewish of descent, uh, with maybe the exception of one here, right? But um, it, without that, if it, it was if it was just for the Jew, uh, we would be we'd be in a different place in our lives, right? Paul had a specific commission. Um, also, faith and obedience. This can be a great talking point for any of your neighbors, anyone that you might work with, um, anyone who's just willing to give you five seconds to let you talk about God's Word. Um, a lot of times, people of any religion, of any kind of um, acknowledgement that there is a higher power will say that they would like to do good so that um, they can receive blessings, so that they can have a better spot uh, in some kind of afterlife, so that they might be blessed by um, whoever they think God is. But a lot of it is obedience first, um, and then that proves their faith, right? That proves that they're acknowledging God. Uh, but as we find in the Bible, uh, as we find in 
um, the gospel time and time again, that faith and obedience do go hand in hand. You cannot have one without the other, but we do well to remember that um, obedience doesn't precede faith. It just, it just doesn't. We can't obey the way that God wants us to obey without faith. Um, man was made that they, they could, but we won't. We learned that in, uh, in one of the sermons three or four weeks ago that we just won't. We choose not to. Um, we are slaves to sin without God coming in our heart and changing our heart. That obedience is brought about once we have faith. The faith develops that obedience to be drawn to God's word, to want to read God's word, to be convicted by God's word. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. A lot of a lot of things I sit through and listen to and um, participate right here in this church, uh, it, a lot of it feels like a sword's just cutting through you. It's someone's piercing you with a with a, a knife because um, I'm convicted of sin in my life. I'm convicted of thoughts or things that. Um, I had had desires, covetousness, covetousness, right? That that's a big one um, that that some of us, like myself, have to fight all the time. Uh, but obedience to that comes from faith, not the other way around. Uh, Paul uses the title for Jesus as Lord at the end of verse four. He uses that title Lord because Paul is speaking of Jesus's sovereign right to the order and rule over all things. Well, who has that right? God alone. God alone has that right. But he's talking about Jesus' right to that. We know that Jesus is God, but another strong talking point for, for anyone outside of our faith. Um, and it is saying here, to belong to God in a relationship of obedience is to recognize that salvation includes being in submission to his lordship, knowing that he is our Lord he is our master. Calling him Lord is giving him that authority, giving him that direct guidance over our lives, over our hearts, really. Directing our hearts and where to go. Convicting our hearts, knowing that when we listen to something, um, whether it be on the radio or in the Sunday school lesson or during a sermon or just one of our friends that is asking honest questions like, did you really need that, you know, 10-wheel truck that you just bought. Well, I could have done with eight. You know, that kind of stuff. Um, that convicting, it, it, letting God lead our hearts through that instead of us um, being in charge of that is, is what Paul's pointing out here. And then verses 6 through 7, Paul points to his audience, the Gentiles, and witnesses that God's grace has embellished them too. He doesn't know them. Again, this is his introduction of himself to these people, to this church in Rome. These people in Rome were, were Gentiles. The church was likely have started um, through Jewish converts that were there. But again, as Mark went over, uh, we talked about last week that the Jews were kicked out of Rome. They were causing such a ruckus. There was so much uproar about um, the the different thoughts on who Jesus was and what he was and the controversy it was causing that the emperor at the time kicked the Jews out. The Gentiles were left there, but 
there was a church left there. There was believers at the time. Um, and Paul was writing to them. Paul wanted to see them. He wanted to bless them. We'll see more about that next week. Um, he wanted to be blessed by them too. Just like when you visit another church, when if you're traveling, if you're in another state or you're with families, um, we want to go and, and be a blessing to them. And we would like them to be a blessing to us for um, that time that we, that we visit. All that are in Jesus, the Lord, are called saints. So here he uses the word saint, and um, this refers to holy ones. Paul is specifically specifically calling out, calling these Christians elect, the pre predetermined ones of God. The elect are the only ones who can truly receive all of God's grace and peace. And we see him saying that to them in verse 7. Only the elect can truly call God their Father and Jesus their Lord. We know a lot of people say Jesus is Lord, um, especially in this culture again, right? But the meaning of the word Lord, we always have to play the game of defining terms if we're if we're evangelizing here, if we're talking to someone at work, I have to do it all the time at work because if I say something, I'll get complete agreeance with wh whom I'm talking to. And I go, no, you don't agree. They're like, yeah, I do. I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> and they're like, what are you talking about? Right? And we have to dissect um, what what was said. It's, it's an important part of that because otherwise um, we know that um, they're they're very wanting to um, accept us, love us, and just be one together. And it's, I'm always told, "Oh, it sounds like you know Jesus very well, and um, you're you're probably in a good spot." So you know, I don't have to I don't have to tell you anything. And it's like that's why I'm trying to tell you stuff. <laughs> um, but it's it's one of uh, this this relationship that people try and make that they they want us to be together they want us to be in grants they want us to assure one another yes everyone's okay everyone's going to heaven and we're all going to be saved um, but yes Joe it can be called confronting yes and we are called to do it in a loving manner and sometimes that love is really soft and sometimes that love is not so soft it depends where you're at in that relationship with that person. It depends on how well you know them and how straightforward you can be. We never want to be beating around the truth or telling white lies about something or confirming something that's not true. We can't do that. Um, but there's, there's different ways to do it with different people. And that's, it's hard. The only way to figure that out is to do it. And sometimes you're going to make someone upset. You're going to make someone feel bad. Or you might make them mad at you. might make them think they don't want to talk to you or be your friend anymore. And we have to be willing to accept that and still love them and um, still treat them as, as we're commanded to, as we're guided to. So it's, it's very important to continue trying, to not give up. Um, family's probably the hardest. My, my mom is extremely hard to confront. Um, and I try to be very, very soft and loving with her. And it's, it's hard. It can, be, it can turn sour really quick. And then the conversation's over, and that didn't do me any good. So I'm continually thinking of ways on how to change 
how I approach the conversations. And I haven't been successful yet, but I'll let you know if I am. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, yeah, cover it in prayer, which I hope you have already, and um, ask your friends to join you in that before you even get started, before you even start the conversation. Ask, ask us, ask the people here, ask each one of these ladies and the men to um, please pray for me, pray, uh, to have God show me how and when and what to say and to be loving and kind. I don't, I don't want to lose my friend but I don't want to not see my friend in heaven. I don't want her to be someplace that I'll never see her again. Right? That's the whole reason God drew me to this church because I was afraid I'd uh, lose that with my wife because I wasn't sure if I was saved or not. I thought I was from how I was raised. That's a whole different story, but it compelled me um, to get straight, to come hear the word, and it can just... Once God grabs your heart, he, he convicts you. So it's not you doing the work. It's you having the conversation. It's you being the friend that is concerned about your friend's um, eternal longevity. Where, where is she going to be? And you're concerned for that. It needs to come out. It needs to show that you're, you're, you're loving her so much that you want her to know the truth. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It is. And God's word is what does it. The Holy Spirit is is what does it. We're just called to do it. And there's there's multiple different ways to do it. Um, using using scripture in your discussion um, is more authoritative than anything that you, you yourself can say. But we need to show our love for our friends. We need to let them know that I need to tell you something because I care about you. I would like you to listen before you get defensive because I care about you and I'd like you to think about this because I love you. You're my friend and I think this, this is more important than anything we could ever talk about for the rest of our lives. To me, that's more important and I think it would do you very, very well to hear it and if we could talk about it, that'd be great. And then you just try different ways. They might not like that or they might like it. And I got a friend at work that loves to talk about this stuff. Um, and we can talk for hours and days. And we have to stop ourselves because we're supposed to be working. So, <laughs> but we, we continue on. But he's one out of another, you know, 35, 40 people that I've talked to there that don't want to talk about it. Um, and they know, oh, don't bring up religion with Dean because he's going to go in this weird direction. So... <laughs> <laughs> it happens, right? Um, but but yeah, it, it is difficult, Joe. But and you have a lot of support behind you. You have all the power of prayer from this entire church and the body of believers behind you. She's really got nothing behind her. She thinks she does, but it's deception. So the power of God is with you. So don't have fear. Don't have fear. <laughs> Um, let me finish up here. Uh, these saints are people who have passed down the teaching and the foundation of the faith for generations. Okay, they're, they're saints. They're holy ones of God. We have his righteousness. They had his righteousness. The saints are the means of God 
the means God has chosen to glorify himself by doing the good work within their hearts to bring about obedience so that his word will spread through the world and never go void as promised long ago. This, this is why we're here today. The, the saints, the apostles, the foundation, it was built. They were able to establish what scripture was. They were able to establish the foundation of the church. They passed it on to generation, to generation, to generation. We are the saints. They were the saints. Paul's addressing them. Without, without the people, um, you know, God's word, how he chose to um, spread it is, is through his people. It's to glorify him because he wants humans, he wants people, he wants his elect to uh, be the ones that share. It glorifies him when we do that. It glorifies him when you talk to your friend about the truth of God and Jesus and eternity and what that means. It's, it's not about us, it's about him. Some of those promises of his word and never going void. Um, I'll give you three, three last references here that you can look up that are great. Uh, I, there's more. I just grabbed three for the time being. Uh, Isaiah 40, verse 8. Isaiah 40, verse 8 is a great reference to look up. Um, and these are, these are good scriptures, Joe. If you get into a conversation with your friend about why the Bible is completely reliable, why it's completely authoritative, because God's word never will go void, um, because the original foundation of the church has been passed on from when Jesus was resurrected till now. It never lost uh, any of its power or authority. It's always been with the people. So Isaiah 40, verse 8, Matthew 24, 35. It's a really good one. Matthew 25, 24, 35. Sorry, Matthew 24, 35. 1 Peter 1, 24 and 25. And again, if you got a reference Bible and you look up those verses and you look up references, uh, it could take you to other verses that can also uh, give you more information on that too and, and be good to use as you have conversations with others. Okay, that's what I got. I'm sure there's plenty more that I missed, but that was only seven verses, and um, yeah, we probably could have gone on for another hour easily getting getting more out of that. Uh, time's up, and I would like to, to wrap this up. Um, the rest of chapter one is just awesome. It is fireworks. Uh, verses 16 and 17 would be uh, great to um, put to memory. If you're looking for memory verses, if you'd like to know some really good ones, um, those are just absolutely amazing. Mark will touch on that next week. And again, we're, we're very excited to be going through this book, um, to be teaching it, to learning it together. Please, please bring your questions and um, concerns or, or anything that you have to us, and we'll try and answer it on the spot. And if not, we'll, we'll get back to you and try and get you answers after that. Mark, you got anything else? Yeah, there, there's enough in chapter one. I've I've read through it and read through it for two months. 
and still every day it's like oh there's new stuff there so don't feel like uh you're gonna get bored reading chapter one it's it's awesome let me close our prayer real quick lord god we thank you so much for your word we thank you for your time together we thank you for um all that you do in our hearts and our lives please guide us and give us hope and encouragement through everything that we do this week in your, your name we pray